I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Crime and Investigations, I Am A Killer is a brand-new 10-part true crime documentary series produced in partnership with Netflix by an excellent production team including me, Danny Tipping, and me, Tom Adams. Each episode tells the story of a prisoner convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death. In this podcast, we'll be going into the making of each episode, revealing what it was like to produce this incredible series. Every man has his own mindset and own power to choose his own destiny. And yes, I did ask for the chair, and the reason that I asked for the chair is because it's pretty much an instant death. Many speculate that the reason I, I had asked for the chair was to prolong my execution, uh, and that's false. I know that I'm guilty. And what's the point in having capital punishment if it's not going to be used in a proper manner? Tom, tell us about a matter of life and death and the story of Wayne Doty. So Wayne Doty was convicted of murder for the killing of... It was his boss when he worked in a factory and he told us that it was a drug deal that went wrong. But he wasn't actually sentenced to death for that murder. He was he was simply given life imprisonment. Over time, he decided that he had had enough and he wanted to be on death row. He, he had had enough of his time in prison and wanted wanted to die. With that in mind, he then killed a fellow inmate in order to get on death row. At least that's the story that, that came out through various media outlets and, and reports of, of the case. Actually, when we started talking to him, it was less clear as to whether that was the reason he committed that second murder, whether he did want to die or not. But a matter of life and death refers to the fact that the killing was to get him onto death row. I could use any any number of words to use to, ex, to explain my feelings towards Wayne Dodium, but at this point in time, I, I choose not to because it doesn't do any good. doesn't bring my father back. doesn't change Wayne's opinion. He wants to make a mockery of our judicial system and decided that, you know, that he needs to be able to fight for his right to be able to die. Well, <laughs> he didn't want to do that when he killed my father. After he killed my father, he did everything he could do to fight getting put in prison. Personally, I think he's a, a murdering coward. 
a number of the prisoners mentioned that when they first moved to death row, one of the things they found in their cell, and I don't think they found a lot in their cells, but one thing that they did find was a was a bag of... It's a pillowcase, yeah. A pillowcase of, of, of goodies, for want of a better word, things that other death row inmates had thought that this new guy would need coming into into that wing. And so it might be... It might be soap or it might be a razor blade for shaving or it might be a book to read. And a number of them were, were quite touched by this moment of realisation when they get there that actually that fight in the general population, which it can be for some, for some of the guys, they saw it as a struggle to, to maintain their, their alpha male, their, their top spot and actually getting to death row it's almost as if they could just exhale. That pressure to be number one had gone. And it's, I think it's symbolically that pillowcase full of essentials. I mean, that kind of, that level of camaraderie generosity just did not exist in general population. You're not, no, nobody's sharing their, uh, we, their limited resources. We got the sense it was every man for himself in the general population. It, it, these are, these were, well, these are these are tough, tough guys for the most part, and they talked of the struggle maintaining their position. And I think, but to be fair, I think we also we are filming in in, in all the institutions we're filming in are, are some of the toughest high security prisons in America. They're not hotels, and they're, and they're not. You know, I think anybody was expecting a, a an easy time, but I think when you spend the amount of time these guys have done in prison, on general population or otherwise. You know, you'd understand why they might be looking for what's considered to be an easy option. I don't think any of us would consider death row in a, a Florida or, or Texas penitentiary the easy option, but I think it reflects what the, the conditions they were living under. Once we'd interviewed Wayne Doty, the initial premise of the programme was, was that Wayne Doty had killed somebody whilst in prison in order to get on death row. And after speaking to him... I think we found that it wasn't quite that simple. And like most people, he was a little contradictory about his thoughts and feelings. And and sometimes some of the things he was reported as having said, it sounded like he did want to go on death row. Other times, and when we spoke to him as well, we actually got the sense that what he wanted was the rule of law to be applied. He only wanted to go on death row if that's what the court decided. But I think he was keen to be on death row, as it were, to provide closure to the friends and family of the people that he had killed. Now, within the film, it's clear, certainly for one of those relatives, that that closure would not happen. Doty had his own code of conduct, whereby he saw being put up for trial and the potential of being sent to death row as as the right thing to be yeah, done as, for as his crimes. Fitting, yeah. You know, a fitting part of the process. I mean, there is this notion that these guys that are on death row are monsters and they're horrible. And they, you know, there's no question about it. They've done horrible things. But that's, it doesn't define who they are. They are not just that. I wouldn't want to be defined by my worst, the thing that, the worst thing that I ever did in my life. So Wayne Doty was uh, one of the interviews we shot in Florida 
and was rather than behind glass where they all were in um in Texas in in this particular prison our producer directors our our camera people were in the same room as Wayne and actually it was a very small room i think it was just you know 10 by 10 and in the shot in the in in the interview you can see just outside in the corridor um through the glass you can see a guard waiting and that would have been the guard that, that led Wayne in sat him down so our interviewer and interviewee our inmate and our uh, director are really quite close to each other face to face and what there, there's a lot of kit to get in a small room um in in all instances in everywhere we shot you know and it was easy in some some of the interviews and others we had two cameras who had one um shooting straight down the, the barrel if you like at the inmate and he was looking back at that and across to our interviewer then we had another camera at an angle across so that we could get the cutaways and the side shots so we had two two cameras to set up and then the complications of miking and recording sound um obviously easier in, in a couple of the institutions that allowed us to film in an interview and without the glass much more complicated when we were separated by a wall and, and a glass partition and that in those instances we had to enlist the help of the prison guards to to mic our our inmates but so we had you know, two cameras and the, the complication of sound and light to set up in a, in a small room you know under time constraints we were allowed up to three uh, members of the production team in each room and that would usually be the producer director another producer that was running cameras on that day and then the assistant producer, who more often than that was looking after the second camera and sound. And obviously we wanted to free up the director, who all of them are very capable shooters themselves, to ask the questions and interact to, you know, with the inmate. They, again, they didn't have a lot of time in a very intense setting, in a very intense interview to cover off a lot of ground. So we didn't want them worried too much post-setup with any of the technical aspects of, of filming in these fairly challenging conditions. We made a decision very early on in the process that those interviews with the inmates would be filmed with the inmate looking directly at camera. We felt that gave an intimacy that the prisoner was then talking to the audience, talking to the viewer, which I think was absolutely the right decision. It gets us very, very close to the characters, but it came with problems. Firstly, if you're looking straight down the lens, it's very difficult to engage with the person who is interviewing you. So we use what's what a lot of people use in these situations. We use a, a, a mirror box that sits on the front of the lens and through a kind of periscope system of mirrors allows the prisoner, the interviewee, to see the interviewer, the director, and yet still look down the lens of the camera. So... The two of them still were maintaining eye contact, could see each other and talk to each other. But to all intents and purposes, the prisoner was looking down the lens of the camera. We also knew that we wanted to have these characters on screen for as long as possible. Very often with an interview, when, as I'm doing now, when, when someone ums and errs, when, when they pause for thought, when they look down at their feet or they're lost for words, in, in, in a lot of documentaries, you would cut all those spaces out. You'd get rid of them. That's not what we want on screen. And therefore, what you're left with are those bits of chat that are of interest. 
we didn't want to do that with this series. We wanted to see when our characters were pausing for thought or the moments of reflection where they remembered something or how they framed a sentence, what they thought about before they gave their answer. And so we wanted them on screen for a long time and therefore we made a decision not to see a lot of drama, not to go away to a lot of cutaways, a lot of general shots of the prison or whatever it might be, but to hang on our characters. But that comes with its difficulty in that you then have to you do have to cut them, you have to stitch them together somehow and you do need some images to see, which is where our second camera came in. So we had a second camera in the room as well. And whilst we had one camera looking at the face and our prisoner talking directly to that camera, we had a second camera that roamed a little bit, that was on a much tighter lens so we could get much closer details. And we would just get a close-up on the eyes or a close-up on the mouth or... If they were fiddling with their fingers, we'd, we'd drift down to their hands and see what their hands were doing. And it just gave us somewhere else to go when we did have to cut together various sentences. But we could still stay in the moment. We could still stay in that room with our prisoner, but it just gave us the ability to cut their interview and lose some of the bits we didn't need. As you watch the whole series, in which I, I hope you do, you'll see that a number of our inmates are shot in the way that Tom's just described uh, behind glass in an in interview room and that would be the same room or set up as if you were visiting the prisoner that day you'd uh, you'd sit down at a desk behind glass and have your visit via a, a phone a telecom system uh, obviously we were able to use um, two-way mics and, and monitors and then in a number of other prisoners in, in, in Florida we were able to interview the prisoners without the glass literally pull up a chair and sit opposite with them so it really it was. It differed from prison to prison and prison authority to prison authority. But and we weren't always unsure what we were going to get. But we prepared for those eventualities. If it was up to me, and you know, I, I we go straight from the courthouse to uh, to to the death chamber. I, I could finish this conversation talking to you people right now and walk straight to the execution chamber and get it over with, and look the family, the victim family, in the face and tell them, look, I'm sorry. I can't bring your loved one back, but if this is going to bring you closure, then so be it. Let's move on. You can move on with your life, and I'll be resting in a better place. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. We also shot in 4K. Again, that was a that was a decision made early on. We shot in 4K, which is a 
camera format that gives you stacks of information in the picture. We knew we were delivering at a lower resolution to 4K and what that meant was we could shoot on a wide shot and when we needed to, in the edit, we could zoom into sections of that frame so we could go tight on our prisoner's head and still maintain a, a good enough quality of image to broadcast. So shooting in 4K gave us the option to, or, or even creep in, we could do some slow creeps in to give a sense of suspense or whatever it might be at the time. Yeah, there's actually you know, kind of a lot of craft and, and technical ability and attention to detail in each of these documentaries, which I think really comes across. And a lot of it's very subtle. And, and you, I mean, I, I'm not saying it would escape people, but there's a lot going on in, in all those interviews in, a, in fairly confined spaces and with very little time. The other thing to mention was lighting. So when we had glass, glass is a pain because it reflects. And if you put a big light up behind the camera... Say, Tom, you would never choose to shoot through glass, would you? <laughs> Not if you can avoid it, no. And so we had to figure out a way of a way of shooting through glass that lit our interviewee but didn't give us horrendous reflections that would... I mean, could obscure the faces. We were lucky for the most part in that... For the most part, the glass was pretty good, was pretty clean. I think if you asked Stuart, he spent quite a long time polishing at least one side of it. Yeah. And uh, so he'd probably be thinking, what, was it, what do you mean? I spent 10 minutes cleaning that glass. But it was, um, I mean, that was a challenge itself because we didn't want anything to distract. As Tom said, we wanted that connection with the, in the first instance, with our interviewer, our director, and then most importantly with our audience. So you didn't want anything that was going to catch your eye or take you out of that moment. We were trying to have a very intimate and direct contact with our our subject, with our interview. So, you know, a reflection or or a sense that there was a barrier, you know, wouldn't have served that well. And I, I mean, I was absolutely knocked out when I saw the first footage come back from those those first couple of shoots at how how good it looked and how close and how intimate and how striking the the interviews um, appeared. And I think uh, that's carried out throughout the series. And I hope the viewers, uh, you know, get that, appreciate that. We'd love to hear what you think of the series. Comment on Facebook or Twitter with hashtag IamAKiller. And don't forget to rate us and subscribe to this podcast series. The I Am A Killer podcast is hosted by Tom Adams and Danny Tipping and is produced by Sam Pearson, Stefan Ardilly and Matt Talent with editing by Susanna Lawrence. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.